Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. The engine blew up on this plane. Pilot got on, and he was super calm. He's like, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your pilot. There's no reason to be alarmed. We're going to land in Cleveland in two to two and a half minutes. You know, I'd have been more comfortable if he's like, this is your pilot, you know. I'm going to try some shit I learned in pilot school. I'm not making any promises. Kiss a stranger. Rub one out. We used to smoke on planes, you know, because that's the voice of death when someone's that calm. If you're walking down the street and a guy comes up and goes, I'm going to kill you. He's not going to kill you. If someone goes, I'm going to kill you, that guy is going to be naked in your bedroom with a <laughs> with a machete covered in goat scat with a heart on. I told you I was going to kill you and I'm going to and I'm going to eat you and you're going to live in my belly forever and ever and we'll be tummy buddies. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Great to have you back. Those who have been here many, many times before and those new people coming to the show, thank you for coming. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and thank you for sharing. So grateful. A couple of announcements. I'm going to be in Montreal at the Just for Last Festival with special guest Kenya Barris on Friday, July 27th at the Hyatt Regency at 1.30 p.m. You can get your tickets at hahaha.com. Also going to be at the Boston Comedy Festival the first week of September. Google that. Check that out. You can get tickets there as well. It's going to be a great, great show. And before I go on, with my guest, Bobcat Goldthwait, I truly want to thank you guys so much. I can't do it without you guys, and I'll never stop saying it. So I'm really appreciative, and thank you, thank you, thank you. And without further ado, let's introduce our guest, which this guy is going to blow you away, truly. Here it goes. Over the years, Bobcat Goldthwait has amassed legions of fans with his brutally honest, outrageous, and offbeat comedy that has made him one of the most recognizable comedians in show business today. He's as edgy as ever, and his stand-up continues to draw crowds to comedy venues across the country with his hilarious riffs on his personal life, politics, and humorous story about his 30-plus years in show business. 
as a filmmaker, Goldthwait has come a long way since his 1991 debut of his first film, Shakes the Clown. His most recent big screen achievement is the Sundance-nominated film Call Me Lucky. The critically acclaimed film bravely tells the late Barry Crimmins' incredible story. Bobcat's movie accomplishments also include Willow Creek, a found-footage horror film about Bigfoot, the dark comedy God Bless America, a modern-day Bonnie and Clyde which displays his talent for writing, and the groundbreaking Windy City Heat, Sleeping Dogs Lie, and World's Greatest Dad that starred the late Robin Williams. Goldthwait unleashed his one-of-a-kind brand of comedy in his Showtime one-hour special recently entitled You Don't Look the Same Either. In addition to his big-screen resume, Bobcat has shared his behind-the-camera talents on several television shows, such as Jimmy Kimmel Live, Dimitri Martin Show, Chappelle Show, Man Show, Marin, and Crank Yankers. He's also directed multiple comedy specials throughout his career, most recently Patton Oswalt's latest special, which is truly, truly incredible, powerful, and heartfelt for Netflix. His most recent venture... Bob Goldthwaite's Misfits and Monsters on True TV premiering this month and going all through the summer is a scripted anthology series which mashes up wildly different genres to tell suspenseful stories with funny and imaginative twists. Ladies and gentlemen, what an honor. Please welcome Bobcat Goldthwaite. Pleasure to meet you, Barry Katz. How are you? I've known you the longest of anybody in comedy. <laughs> really? We do drop dead a lot. <laughs> I just want to share something with you that's a moment in time. So I'm doing open mic nights in Boston yeah. at the Comedy Connection. Seemingly, in my mind, I'm doing well. I'm about to go on. It's when the Comedy Connection, the stage was in the middle, and I was leaning against the wall, and there was a tap on my shoulder. I turn around. I don't see anything. I turn back. <laughs> There's another tap on my shoulder. I turn around. I look down. There you are. You're wearing a hunter's hat, the hunter's pants, and the Elmer Fudd boots. You even had the belt. And you reached out your hand, and in the most gentle, kindest voice, you said, Hi, my name's Bobcat. I'm going on after you. Good luck. And I shook your hand, and I said, Thank you. I was kind of in shock. And I thought to myself, My God, I'm going to go on. And this poor guy isn't going to have a shot to go on after me. <laughs> I do my set. It goes really, really well for me. Okay? So I'm saying the audience response was good. Maybe they were a dumb crowd or whatever. I pass you. I say, good luck, Bobcat. And then you ran onto the stage in this frenetic pace. And what I'll never forget is you started off with obviously the guttural sounds but then the first joke was I lost my job I didn't really lose my job I mean I know where it is still it's just when I go there there's this new guy doing it then the audience laughed so hard it was like watching a Def Jam crowd they were davening in the crowd and then the next thing you said was shut up <laughs> Stop laughing. Shut up. And you kept going and going and killing and people were bobbing up and down, going fucking crazy. And within literally 
10 to 15 seconds, they had not only forgotten who I was, <laughs> they had forgotten the host and every single comic on there. And I'll never forget you. This is how my memory is. You closed the show saying, I lost my girlfriend. I mean, I know where she is still. Just when I go there, there's this new guy doing it. The crowd goes crazy and you're just standing there and you just said this one line I'll never forget. I'm looking for roommates. Good night. And so you go on and there's people standing in the crowd. White, unknown comics don't wow. get standing ovations. But it, it, yeah, and but it, you know, it, it, for folks who aren't familiar with me, I mean, it was I would go on stage and I had this persona and I had all this energy. And mostly in that time, I was usually really fluctuating from being really angry. Or really sad and always confused. <laughs> and it was pretty extreme. Uh, it was funny when you were telling that story, the part of it that I suddenly, what what hit me was when you said, when they said my name and I went up and I, I, I actually had a, a fondness for this idea of going up. When you said that, I, 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 I miss that, the, the fact that I could go up with no expectation. No one knew who I was. So, because I always did enjoy, or not enjoy, I guess it was just what interested me was going out and, 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 and really skewering what people's expectations was, what they're about to see, and freaking people out. Again, I'm young. I haven't listened to that much comedy. Maybe Bob Newhart, Jonathan Winters maybe the Smothers Brothers. The first comedian I ever saw on stage was Stephen Wright in Boston. Right. But that same... You should tell people that this is the 80s because all those people you referenced, yeah. <laughs> those this, albums this were was, all was from not, the 60s. This was 1980. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why were you only listening to comedy from 20 years ago? Because you, those you, were the albums my dad had and ah, when she passed away and they were just in his album. Oh, I got you. So it was a, a, a money thing. You wouldn't buy new we albums. We didn't have the money. You too. didn't have the money to go buy albums. All right. See, for me, I started watching Coming when I was like nine. You know, I remember the first time I saw George Carlin and on the Dinah Shore show and I asked my mom, what does he do for a living? And my mother's like, that's what he does for a living. And like this light went on, like, oh, hey, maybe, maybe being the... Uh, I just uh, I just didn't even know that was an opportunity. So that was like the first thing, you know, because I was always in trouble as a kid. Like you say, yeah, it fluctuates. I was very quiet, but then also a huge troublemaker. You know, the f first time I met Tom Kenny, who who your listeners, you know, is is the voice of SpongeBob, but he also does a, a million other cartoon voices. Ooh, I met him in first grade and. Tom, when we were in first grade, uh, went to Catholic school, and the nun in my classroom kicked me out, and she was crying, and she dragged me into his classroom, and I was crying, this little fat kid being dragged in, and she just said to the other nun, I can't take him. You have to take this kid, basically. And I was really upset because I didn't think I was going to see my classmates ever again. And um, and Tom Kenny just thought it was really cool that I could make a grown nun cry and introduced himself at lunch, which I really did remember meeting him. And, and my ego was so big. Even then I was like going, oh, this guy, he's pathetic. He's going to need a friend. <laughs> I really was like, going, oh, this guy is doomed. <laughs> you were the first person that I ever saw that I realized the light went off, this guy's gonna be a huge star. Now, I know it's weird because I became a manager 
and I wasn't managing at the time. I didn't know right. anything about me. I didn't even know what a manager was. Right. But when I saw you, you're the first comedian well, I ever saw that I knew that something special was going on. Now, granted, I saw Stephen Wright for one minute at the end of a show, right. and I didn't really know if something was special was going on because I just saw the guitar, the Rachel bit where right. he was strumming right. the guitar, and that was the only bit I saw, so I didn't know I saw your full bit. And when you went on, your comedy just completely dwarfed everybody. In Boston, there were some extraordinarily powerful comedians from sure. Steve Sweeney to Don Gavin to DJ Hazard to Jack Gallagher, Lenny Clark, and Barry Crimmins. It was a... Uh... You know, people talk a lot about that scene and stuff. Or, but it's it 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 was uh, the crowds are really hard, but it was super encouraged for you to have your own voice. So it was a good place for me to be. It was also kind of interesting. Steve Sweeney would do so many characters that it w often I would try to do something different or think about something different, and I'd be like, "Wow, that's a little too close to Steve. I don't want to." you know, bite his style. So, but back then it was, all my stand-up was just, you know, do you know, I did a Dear John letter, which was a real Dear John, and I'd be crying, real tears. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I wanna do it because I wanna help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I just want to tell you about a great product called Boku Superfoods. I just met with the owners of the company and I was just blown away by their products. They have the purest, most potent and delicious superfood blends on the planet where you just add any liquid you want and you can make delicious blended drinks or smoothies that taste great and are so incredibly healthy. Certified organic kosher vegan Boku Superfoods is changing the game for thousands of people all over the world and I'm confident it'll change your life so much that I worked out an unbelievable deal with the owners. Just go to BokuSuperfoods.com, that's B-O-K-U Superfood.com, look for the three-pack trial, enter the promo code Barry at checkout, pay a minimal shipping fee, and get a full week supply of Boku Superfood and Super Protein for free and experience the difference of how it makes you look and feel. I use these products, and I'm telling you, after you use them, you'll understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. 
I actually followed you when you gutted a fish on stage, and then I followed you after you shaved your stomach on stage. The, the Dear John letter, I'd be crying, and, 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 and I'd come out and go, hi, thank you. It feels good to be here, but obviously a little more energy, and then stop. It doesn't feel good to be here, and then I'd read the Dear John letter, and then... Then I'd go back and do stand-up, and it'd be like, my wife's so fat. How fat is she? I told you I don't even have a girlfriend. You know, so, um, but the, the fish cutting was people were saying, you know, if you just come out of character. So so I would come out of character, and I'd say, hi, this is my real voice. This is part of the show where I like to gut and clean a fish. Does anyone have a fish? And uh, my roommate, Dan Spencer, usually would have a, a this fish that had been in the trunk of a car, and it was rancid, and I... I just opened up its guts and it spilled out all over the stage and this woman just contact vomited on like as soon as she smelled it and I put the mic down so you could hear her vomiting over the PA and then um so then Bill Campbell was a really good comedian uh, but a oh, sweet guy but also the the furthest you could be from what I was doing at the time so he's got to go up there and all this chum and vomit and he's like uh, who's married in the audience? <laughs> and it was just, it was, and so, and that was one of the few times Shun Lee talked to me. He just said to me after the show, he goes, Bob, you, you too weird. You too weird. <laughs> but yeah, so I did stand up and, uh, yeah, it was a really explosive time. And, 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 uh, that, you know, I, I knew, I met Barry Crimmins, uh, in Skinny Atlas. There was an ad for, uh, he needed comics and Tom Kenny and I were in high school and I'm sure Tom Kenny probably did the talking cause he sounded more adult cause Barry was convinced that two adult men were coming in from Syracuse that, you know, we probably done like you gone, I've gone on in between uh, punk rock bands, but I hadn't done much else. And so, uh, he put us on stage and he always says that he, you know, he saw that we had something, but the reality was, I don't think he had enough acts <laughs> and, and we did okay. And he just uh, encouraged us and, and we kept coming back. So when Barry left town, when I turned 18, I, I, I farted around a little bit in Syracuse and then I, I followed him to Boston. So. But back then there was an ad or something looking for comics, but then there was something in a newspaper oh, that it? said Bearcat. But that's because right, he gets really mad. We should say Barry's uh, deceased. He just passed away. But uh, Barry was, you know, he's a mentor character. Kind of a, I always see Barry's like a family member, like a, a brother whose approval I was always searching for. But And by the way, just so the audience knows, Barry is the subject of of an incredible documentary that you should just stop this podcast now and download it. It's called Call Me Lucky. It's an incredible documentary with Barry Crimmins, and you'll be blown away by it. Yeah, Barry's a, a, a hell of a figure, but but people were calling him Bearcat because there was a guy at that bar. I guess it was a nickname, but being snarky kids, uh, teenagers, we were like 15, 16, he, you know, uh, we're like, are you Bearcat? And it's like, oh, that's funny because I'm Bobcat and this is Tomcat. And then the joke backfired because now I'm 56 and I'm Bobcat. <laughs> and they're Barry and Tom. But, but Barry didn't know that until just a few years ago. We were driving around and some guy was calling him Cat. He gave himself the Cat moniker. And I go, that guy's got a lot of nerve because that was just me and Tom Kenny making fun of you. And he goes, you snide little fucks. He just started yelling at me. <laughs> Furious. That was the first time. Yeah, yeah, after 30 years. Uh, yeah, so Barry, for folks who don't know, uh, political satirist, but uh, started, uh, well, part of the factors that cultivated the scene in Boston 
uh, you know, my favorite Barry Crimmins joke is uh, when he got heckled, you know, because he was doing politics. It's like, if, and someone's like, <laughs> someone's like, why, you know, if you don't love this country, why don't you leave it? And he says, because I don't want to be victimized by its foreign policies. So a real sharp guy. If you are going to see the duck, it's it, it, it's kind of like most of the movies or stories I tell you, you might think you're seeing something. And then it, it takes a, a sharp turn. You know, often I try to tell stories where I'm trying to see if you can empathize with these characters. They don't necessarily need to be ones that I, I don't try to manipulate people and say, you know, do you love this person or do. But um, Barry starts off and he's just ranting and he's furious when you see the beginning of the doc. And then you, you learn his whole life and his, his, his you know, uh, it's it's really heavy, the doc. Uh, but I'm... Proud of it. I'm I'm doing it as a narrative film now with Judd Apatow. So Judd and I are writing it, and I'll direct and he'll produce. But which is weird because originally I was going to do it as a narrative before I did the doc, and I was going to use uh, uh, Robin Williams was my good friend. He was going to play Barry because he knew Barry through me, and he wanted to. He just was on board, and then. Before I did the doc, he was just like, we're too old. You know, you should go make a doc. And he gave me the money to go start Call Me Lucky, which was uh, obviously extremely bittersweet. The movie premiered at Sundance and Robin Hood already it was gone. And it was in the same theater that he, that Robin and I w- watched uh, World's Greatest Dad, a movie I did with him. Uh, same theater, almost the same time, a day and everything. And I didn't let Robin see the movie and I didn't let Barry see the movie. And it was fun because I'd gone to a lot of premieres with Robin where he was squirming in the seats, but he was just cackling all through the movie. It was kind of sweet. And then Barry was like the first five, ten minutes of the movie, he's like, oh, why did you talk to this asshole? Like he's just pounding me. And I go, I go, don't worry, I make you Jesus at the end, you know. Going back slightly, obviously you still do stand-up and you do great. But it's so different. You know, my early stand-up, I'm making fun of stand-up comedy. Right. And then and then I really was, had a hard time jettisoning that persona, even if I did like a watered-down version of it, because of the expectation of the crowd and people laughed at it. One of my favorite things that you ever said about stand-up comedy, you said stand-up comedy is one step above the organ grinder with the monkey. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, no, but uh, you have a, uh, you have an insane memory about this kind of stuff. But yeah, I probably did say that. Uh, uh, now I'd say it's probably on the same plateau. <laughs> hey, everybody. I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment, and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and 
Everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. Hey everybody, we have a new sponsor that I'm really excited about, For Hims. It's a one-stop shop for men regarding hair and sexuality and much, much more. It's common knowledge that we guys don't take care of ourselves as well as women do. For instance, 66% of all men lose their hair by age 35, but don't notice it until it's too late. But now there's a product that could prevent balding altogether. Forhims.com offers a wide range of products for hair loss, skin care, and other wellness supplements for men. Forhims.com will connect you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to prevent hair loss fast. So order now and get a special deal offered only to my listeners and go to forhims.com slash Barry, that's B-A-R-R-Y, and you'll get a trial month of Forhims for just five bucks. This would normally cost you hundreds of dollars. So just visit forhims.com slash Barry and get the deal of a lifetime. And I guarantee you, you will not regret it. You know so many comedians and they'll go on and this as confident as they are. There's always that one time where they get off stage and they're like, yeah, oh, fuck God, Steve Sweeney just fucking killed so hard I couldn't follow him. Right. Has there ever in your life been one comedian that you had a little bit of anxiety following? I never was worried about doing well as much as I... Uh, yes, of course I'd be worried going up after a lot of comedians, but, but, but for me, I also really love the challenge, you know? I would... Robin and I would do a lot of sets and shows together, and I would always go on after him because... I loved that. I actually loved, you know, can I win a crowd over that? Uh, you know, you know. So that was that was uh, that was my thing. It became a chunk of my act, and it's a true story. And it's it's. I was on a flight, and Dimitri Martin was on this flight. Dimitri Martin, if you don't know him, tremendous stand-up comic who started as really? actually a monologist, standing and planting his feet in front of the mic. And then took a risk and changed a few things in his hour special to where it was like a multimedia thing. He's a great writer as yeah. well. Amazing performer, amazing guy. I just bring him up mostly so I know, because I have a, I, I don't in my act, but in reality, just so there's a witness to this. So the engine blew up on this plane and we were flying from L.A. to New York and it was the right side of the plane and it was and then the the plane that's not the noise it made clearly <laughs> clearly I'm not the black guy from police academy who makes funny noises and the plane just dropped out of the sky it didn't coast it just dropped and what I found out later was that the pilot was just trying to bring it down and he was in control he was just trying to land it as soon as possible uh so people were crying, and I said, look at the flight attendants. You know, that's take your cue from them. And I look, and there was two women strapped in, looking out the window, and they turn back, and they're sobbing, sobbing flight attendants, the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And also that whole thing, you know, uh, uh, we're here for your safety first. Yeah, these, these ladies had checked out. They were just crying and holding each other's hands. I always thought you were professional, Karen. So um, as the planes creaming towards the earth, 
I'm really not exaggerating. Uh, the pilot got on, and he was super calm. He's like, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your pilot. There's no reason to be alarmed. We're going to land in Cleveland in two to two and a half minutes. Uh, it's really, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he did say we're going to land in Cleveland in two to two and a half minutes. And um, and and on stage, the bit is, you know, I'd have been more comfortable if it's like, this is your pilot, you know. <laughs> I'm going to try some shit I learned in pilot school. I'm not making any promises. Kiss a stranger, rub one out. We used to smoke on planes, you know. Cause, and then I go on saying, because that's the voice of death when someone's that calm. If you're walking down the street and a guy comes up and goes, I'm going to kill you. He's not going to kill you. If someone goes, I'm going to kill you, that guy is going to be naked in your bedroom with a <laughs> with a machete covered in goat scat with a heart on. I told you I was going to kill you and I'm going to and I'm going to eat you and you're going to live in my belly forever and ever. And we'll be tummy buddies. So I'm doing the Reader's Digest version. Here's where the crowd has a hard time with the story. But it's 100% true. The other people on the flight was a good portion of the United States Special Olympics team on this flight. So the pilot gets on again. He's like, hello, ladies and gentlemen. There's no reason to be alarmed. When we land in Cleveland, the runway will be covered entirely in foam. At the very end of the runway will be a fire truck. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to die. This is the end of my life. And I'm thinking about my daughter and my friends, and swear to God, clear as a bell, one guy in the back of the plane goes, fire truck! <laughs> swear to God. That's why I said, ask Dimitri. We're like, we're looking around. No one else is laughing. I'm like, fire truck? You know, so, so that's a true story. I said I went from uh, uh, atheist to agnostic in that moment. I was like, you know what? Maybe there is a, a higher power in the universe. And when I say this on stage, I'll say, I know some of you work with special needs people. I know some of you may have them in your family. But if you don't think they say or do anything funny, you're denying that they're human beings because that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard another human being say. So <laughs> now you know what it's like. You have a story. You see comics and, or just a bit and they go out and it's not working and they either throw it out or they adjust it until it works. That's 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 our job. So. That story was brand new, and I wasn't using it as a closer or anything. I was just trying to make it work. And I'm in uh, outside of San Francisco, and I'm in the middle of that bed, and I get to the Special Olympics part, and this woman stands up, and she's she's going to leave, and she's mad, and she's drunk, and she's yelling at me, telling me that I'm sick and terrible. And she storms out, and she goes to this door, and she storms out, and then the there is no door. It was just, it was just a curtain, and she opens it up with just a wall, and now she has to walk all the way through the club. And it's, I I don't the crowd's weirded out, and they I'm they're not on my side. It's really awkward, and and so I go, hey, is that this is the part I don't tell? I go, I go, is that lady gone? And they go, yeah. And I go, and I really have only been up there 10, 15 minutes. I go, I'm not going to do my act. Um, and the crowd's like, you know, and I go, um, uh, but instead I'll bring up, uh, please welcome uh, my good friend Robin Williams. <laughs> and he wasn't going out that night. I made him go up. And he goes up and he does about 50 minutes. And he, of course, he's Robin. He destroys. And then I go back up and I get him off and I'm like, hey, uh, that's a show. Uh, and I said to the woman's friends who stayed, I go, can you call your friend? So I, I really wanted to hear it. It's like, well, what happened after I left? He goes, well, Robin Williams did a show. <laughs> like, I hate hard.
I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the air doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the air doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. One of the things I wanted to share with the audience about you that blew me away early on, and I would like to, if you don't mind, put you in a category with one other comedian that did something long ago when no one else was doing it, and that's Chris Rock who did CB4 and you did Shakes the Clown. Right. And you were the only two comedians that I knew of that decided you were going to make a move. Now, I don't want to say anything against Robert Townsend because he did it, but he wasn't really doing stand-up on a regular basis at the time. Maybe he was, but the point was is that we know now as people in the business that the only shot you have of really getting where you want to go as an artist is trying to create your own stuff. Yes, you can book jobs. If you're a great actor and you're great at going into the room and booking jobs, you can get there. But you created your own movie. And this movie, for those of you who haven't seen Shakes the Clown, it's an incredible movie that I don't even know. I would even (laughs) like to ask you if you understood while you were writing it, the socio-dynamic, the the clown cast system and the whole thing. Often when I write stuff, I'm not quite... 100% 100% sure what it's about. Truly, like the subtext. Much to my surprise and honor, uh, Martin Scorsese is a fan of that movie. He said to him, You sh- think we should preserve every movie, you even Shakes the Clown? And he goes, Oh, Shakes the Clown. And, you know, and he said, That's the Citizen Kane of Alcohol Clown movies. And I remember reading that article over and over. And my daughter goes, Why are you reading that? I go, Your dad's never going to get an award. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really thought it was like, like Tom Kenny had made it, printed it up as a joke or something. But uh, and Tony V went in on an audition, and Martin Scorsese goes, "You're in Shakes the Clown." <laughs> and he goes, "Tony goes, I just spent forty minutes instead of auditioning talking about your dumb fucking clown movie." So, uh, so yeah, Shakes the Clown. It, it is what uh, I did know. I was making a noir film. I don't take any of it serious. I was really kind of making fun of recovery movies, which I think are kind of funny too, which is weird for somebody who's been sober since he was 19. But I just, do you know what I mean? Like the TV movie when someone someone gets sober and stuff and that kind of thing. So I'm making fun of comedians, you know? That's really what that movie's about. And I remember at a screening in Boston, uh, Sam's was the club you booked. And, 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 and at a screening about 20 minutes, someone just yells out, this is like being in fucking Sam's. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I did what I was doing. But, like, the new series is just like Shakes. It's 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 mashing genres. Misfits and Monsters on True TV, which yeah. debuts. July 11th, 
but each week is a completely different genre. Like the first episode, which you saw, is about a guy who does a voice for an animated bear, and the bear comes to life because he hates the way he makes him sound. He's like, why you got to make me stutter? Is that something funny for kids to laugh at? You know, and he's like, it's a tradition. You know, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Hugh Grant. And he's like, um, he wants to kill the guy who does his voice. Uh, because he thinks he makes him look dumb. The animated character and the guy playing the lead character is Seth Green. Yeah, and Seth Green plays both parts. He's also the bear's voice. But Seth is super talented and is a blast to work with. But it's, I kind of thought it was based a little bit on Tom Kenny, who's SpongeBob. And then I realized that's not true because he, 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 he and SpongeBob have a really healthy relationship. And it wasn't until my daughter, who's costume designer on my show, she was like, no, this is about you, Dad. It was like, oh, you know, I didn't get it. Like, uh, she's like, you know, this character that I had for years <laughs> was going to kill me. Maybe not uh, as graphic as in the episode, but certainly financially or <laughs> kill me because I was really miserable. Like, I had to make a decision one day. When I went back to doing stand-up after I'd been directing The Kimball Show, and I'm like, I thought I really hated stand-up, and I realized, oh, you don't, you hate the the this character and you hate the 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 pressure that the audience expects from it. So that night it was in Tennessee and Zanies. I went on stage really I had done stuff out of character like in the alt rooms here in LA, but I never had gone up in front of a peop people who had paid their money, had an expectation, and then I just was me and I told stories. And it was hard. People were yelling up for that character. They were definitely bummed out. And I have like a working class ethic and a showbiz ethic where I'm like, oh, well, just do it. And that that's probably why I got trapped in it for so many years. But for young people, they don't know what I'm talking about because, you know, they're not familiar with the persona. I think it's important to touch on this because for people who do characters, it's very hard to figure out a way to sustain. If you're yourself, you have places where you can go in one direction or the other when you're locked into a but character. But even when you're, you're yourself, you're doing a, a character, you know. I mean, the, you know, the, you know, the, it, you know, everybody's presenting a bit of a false front. People like myself or Gilbert or Paul Rubens or Judy Tenuta and Emo, you know, we're, we're, ours is a little more extreme. Some of those other artists are comfortable with that persona. I just felt it didn't work for me anymore. And Tom Kenny pointed out something. It's like when I could go out on stage and there was no expectation, challenging an audience and freaking them out was pretty easy. And he feels like that had a lot to do with why I went behind the camera. Because now I can... And again, my goal isn't to freak people out, but the stories and just the way... The things I gravitated to since I was a kid have always been stuff that other people would consider dark. I mean, and I just wanted people to understand that you didn't just go behind the camera. You were a guy who took risks in your stand-up, and then you make a film, <laughs> which is a total risk, which opens up with Florence Henderson. Yeah, after having sex, it's funny. Florence Henderson was like. Uh, She's in a slip, and she goes, can I put a hickey on my boob? And I'm like, well, it's, it's not my Wesson Oil contract flying out the window. <laughs> Knock yourself out. So she was really game. Yeah, and the, the clown is drunk on the bathroom floor, and a kid pees on his head. And, yeah, it's, it's you know. <laughs> it's a great movie, and you made it 
when technically could be argued that somebody had to tell you which side of the camera to look into as a director. You're writing, you don't have final draft, you don't have anything, right. you're typing I, with that typewriter with the ball that goes around the whiteout. Well, I wish I had, um, I you know, I'd written the movie with John Goodman in mind. And I think I was I, I was smart. Like, I wish I had John Goodman. Because, like, now people wonder why I'm not in front of the camera on the movies and things. And there's a lot of talented people that can direct themselves. But I really take, for me, the storytelling and the technical part of it really serious, you know. So so I don't want to be in front of it. I actually, when there was a scene that was happening in the pilot, I want to spoil it for the audience because I want them to watch it. I thought you were going to be the guy playing the character. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, later, you mean. Yeah, that would have been good. I just don't like taking people out of it. And, and, and uh, again, like, I think that sh scene is very stylized. And I think if I was in front of it, in the camera, I, it probably wouldn't have been as stylized. But, yeah, so, yeah, the show each week is completely different. It's, it's, that's that one. And then um, there's one that comes up right after that with David Koechner plays a, uh, it's in the 70s, kind of like The Candidate or All the President's Men. And he, he plays uh, a used car salesman, like an Ernie Bach, Cal Worthington kind of character. <laughs> and then who, a guy who does his own TV commercials. And uh, people like him, and he shoots from the hip, one of those kind of... And they they run him as president, and the campaign manager says, is there anything we should know? He's like, well, I cheated on my first wife. And he's like, well, that's what first wives are for. Is anything else? Oh, yeah, I'm a werewolf. Oh, uh, anything else? Yeah, I once ate a toddler when I was a werewolf. And um, <laughs> and he goes, well, no one's perfect. And it's... Uh, and and this cub reporter breaks the story, but people really don't care. You know, he's like, "Yes, I'm a werewolf, but I'm an American first. You know, <laughs> so uh, there's the werewolf one. Um, I got to give it up for True TV because the original script of that was uh, it was going to be a rebel without a cause, James Dean like a 50s rebel kid who's turning into a werewolf and he starts hanging out with beatniks and he shoots dope for the first time and then when he he de when he shoots dope he doesn't turn into a werewolf so for the the high road for this character was to stay strung out all the time <laughs> and they're trying to clean him up and and I think I wrote that whole episode just so I could have the scene where the dad is getting attacked and he's like you're tearing me apart and then uh I'd written it and then the election happened, and then I just handed in this completely different draft, and True was kind enough to go, yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Did you write every single episode yourself? Yeah. So you never wrote one with another person? No, but I would write them, and then there was a handful of friends and people I trusted after I wrote it who I would run it by them. It's like Tony V. And, and then there was other people who acted as producers who would hang on the set, like Tony and Caitlin, and, and pitch jokes and just were another set of eyes. But... But the the story, the idea, the world, I would I would write, you know, and they're all different, you know. There's one that's shot in Wikiwachi, the Mermaid Park in Florida, with Bridget Everett uh, playing a possibly racist mermaid, and um, with Tony V as Neptune, and I shaved Tony and painted him blue and put him out in this lagoon. This is so, like, so the uh, Bridget's on a date in a wheelchair and. Uh, and uh, and and Tony erupts out of the water, and he's like, "Hello, whore!" It's like, "Keep going, that's my ex," <laughs> and he's Neptune. And so, 
each week, completely different genres. Usually there's some sort of subtext. Uh, there's a whole, uh, uh, there's like a Jerry Lewis one that I did with Josh Fadum. Uh, but the time travel. Josh Fadum, very funny. Oh my God, and he's so funny. And it's like he's it's it's really me doing a Frank Tashel and Jerry Lewis film, uh, but set around the Kennedy assassination. So Jerry Lewis goes to the grassy knoll. <laughs> and that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And Good Company, an extraordinary web series on YouTube that host Scott Bowling created where you can watch music interviews with incredible artists talking openly about their journey in the music business. If you like a great in-depth music interview where you can hear about each album in chronological order and what the artist experienced along the way, this is the show for you. Interviews with incredible talents like Michael Sweet from Striper, Clinton Lejean from Seven Dust, Brian Head Welsh from Corn, Elias from Nonpoint, Mikey from Islander, Sonny from POD, and Rich Ward from Fozzie and Stuck Mojo, just to name a few. Check out Good Company on any social media outlet under Good Company with Bowling or go to www.scottgoodcompany.com. And finally, Boku Superfoods, the purest, most potent, and delicious certified organic, kosher, and vegan superfood blends on the planet. Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries with their incredible formulated powders that you just add any liquid to and make the healthiest drinks or smoothies in the world. Just go to BokuSuperfood.com. That's B-O-K-U Superfood.com. Look for the three-pack trial. Enter the promo code Barry at checkout. Just pay a minimal shipping fee and get a full week's supply of Boku Superfood for free. I guarantee you'll look and feel better and understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. And that wraps up part one of two episodes. You can check out the next episode this coming Thursday. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. 
As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. You're going for Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over So it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.